0: the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Happy New
1: Year. Welcome to the first 1111 Talk Radio show of 2016 and I hope it has gotten off to a beautiful beginning for you. In every moment, we are given an opportunity to recreate our lives, to recreate our minds, our hearts, and allow a deeper connection to all that is. We are not particles, but waves, intertwining matter and spirit, light and sound, frequency and resonance. Focus on the movement of the waves instead of the separation of the particles. That brings me to a beautiful guest I have here today, that is going to help understand, help to teach you and let you understand how truly connected we are, how very little uh, the veils have become very thin, and how we can really connect to everything because it is all energy. My guest today is Dr. Love. Dr. Jamie Turndorf is known as Dr. Love, and she holds a Ph.D. in clinical psychology and is an internationally renowned and respected relationship therapist, author, advice columnist, and veteran media personality for 3 decades countless fans have been benefiting from Dr. Turndorff's life-changing advice and she has come out with a beautiful book called Love Never Dies How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased through her own experience uh as a young girl she 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 was raised in a situation where she didn't necessarily have the belief systems that would uh Allowing you to, to think that there is a connection beyond a passing. But through her story and through this beautiful book, we're going to discover what she has learned and how she is now sharing that beautiful wisdom along with John Penn, uh, with the world right now to deepen the connection, to deepen the understanding that love never dies. Welcome Dr. Jamie oh, Turnbull to 1111 in Talk Radio.
2: Beautiful introduction. That was really beautiful. I thought, I don't need to say anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, how lovely. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful the way that you have written this book, and I think the deepest sentiment that is woven from beginning to end, from the time you start your story throughout now and continuing, which, is, which I think is, is beautiful, is just continuing, it is the essence of love that has been there, that beautiful story of love, that feeling of love, that experience of love, and now a true embodiment of love beyond form, beyond uh, mm-hmm. physical. It, it really comes clearly through the, the sections of the book, the story, and, and just the synchronicity and intimacy of which uh, jean Pen still appears, speaks, sounds, reveals. Uh, love to you and to the world
2: that's beautiful oh you really do get it you really do get it do you want me to tell everybody who hasn't read the book so far just a little bit about our story so that they'll know what we're talking about
1: I would love that I do know as a young girl that you received a premonition of the name someday Mary and I'd love for you to tell people how that unfolded yeah so
2: I actually, from the time I was really young, I saw the man that I would one day marry. I saw his face. I saw his body. I saw him fleshed out. And so I decided when I was very young, I'm not going to date. I'm going to wait until this man appears. And he appeared on the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College. I'd been shut out of all intro sociology classes and I really wanted to take sociology, so I asked the secretary of the department, what can I do? And she said, go ask the department chair, Jean Pin, if he can find a seat for you in one of the closed classes. Well, Simon, the minute I stepped into Jean's office, I had the first and only out-of-body experience of my life. I literally felt my soul shooting at high speed through a tunnel to the end of my life. And when I shot back into my body, I received the message, Remember, every aspect of this meeting, he's going to be everything to you one day. Mm -hmm. And then I forgot all about the message. (laughs) I went (laughs) about my life as a college student. And what's interesting is, soon after I met Jean, I found out that for most of his life, Jean had been one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. He had taught at the Vatican, and he founded a movement called Liberation Theology, designed to fight church oppression from within. He was actually a radical feminist Jesuit priest, and he didn't want to see women trapped in marriages where they were being abused. So he launched international fame when he publicly opposed the Pope and the Catholic Church as they were trying to block the legalization of divorce in Italy. So he fought on the grounds of liberation theology, religious freedom, the church should butt out with the private sector. He won. He got the divorce bill passed, changed the course of Italian history, and soon after the Pope granted him the dispensation of his vows, and he left the Jesuit order and the priesthood, and he was recruited by Vassar, where he had served as the chair of the Department of Sociology for 10 years. Leading up to the day that I met him. Now, everybody has to know, you alluded to this in my intro, I had a completely different background from Jean. I was raised by two devoutly atheist parents. The Mm. only religion my parents practiced was religiously hating each other's guts. (laughs) They taught me not to believe in God or the afterlife, never went to church, never went to synagogue. So Jean
1: and I had completely different backgrounds. Now, and in, if I'm like, stop year. you right there, Doctor Love, because yeah. there's something else that came through when I when I knew of that. One other piece, and which I think is why it's so beautiful that you're the one writing the story. Is uh-huh. We we often create and experience in our lives so much of of what we're trying to prove or disprove from the time that we're children. And the one fact of that is that there was this atheism, so there was no belief in anything afterwards. Right. But the second was. This very clear um, illustration that love was not present, that there, oh, there yes, was yes. no love in the relationship. And so there's so much love through the course of this meeting, through the course of your relationship where you were really, know. literally made for each other. In this I point, know. I mean, it was the romance of
2: romances that I know. throughout Absolutely. your life, and I came from such an emotional desert, literally such an abusive family. And I'll talk more about that because, of course, part one of Love Never Dies, I tell my whole story and how I was, you know, physically and verbally and emotionally abused. But the point was, you're exactly right. You captured it. This was a preordained, uh, predestined love affair of the ages, and. So in my senior year, Simran, I needed help with the statistical portion of my thesis. And even though Jean was not my advisor, I asked him if he would help me because I had heard that he had also been a statistician, having founded the Vatican's first and only social research center. So I asked him if he'd help me with my thesis statistics. He cheerfully gave me his time, and within a couple of weeks, we knew We were crazy for each other. We were twins separated at birth. We were soulmates. Now, from this point on, we were inseparable for 27 years. We were just crazy for each other. So now, in the last year of Jean's bodily existence, we both started having a premonition he was going to die of an accident. We just didn't know when or where it was going to happen. We go to Italy on our final vacation. And while we're sitting on the beach, I noticed Jean's hand was up over his head as if to block the rays of the sun. The next thing I know, a bee swooped down and stung his left hand at the exact location of Christ's stigmata. And, Simran, I watched my beloved suffocate to death in front of my eyes. Uh And, you know, I tried to describe in Love Never Dies the trauma of having him ripped from me this way. It was just horrendous. I was so traumatized. And I go back to the hotel room, and I'm lying on the bed, and I'm shaking, and I'm trembling, and I'm crying. And the next thing I know, I feel that man's hand stroke the entire length of my spine. Now, I know what I felt. I sit bolt upright. I look over my shoulder. I don't see anything. But he was there, and he has been with me. From that moment on, ever since that moment, and his astonishing and ongoing manifestations to this day in front of witnesses have shown me we don't die, and therefore our relationships aren't meant to end in death. And so I've created what I call my new transdimensional grief therapy method, totally diverges from the Western approach, which is grieve, let go, and move on, which only leaves the bereaved at a greater loss. Instead, my message shows you how to say hello, not goodbye to your loved ones in spirit without a medium, without a channeler, or without, and without a psychic. And then there's just one more thing because as a shrink, I know millions of people worldwide have unfinished business with those in spirit. And again, Western grief therapy gives us no way of making peace with the deceased. So my new Dialoguing with the Departed technique offers the first vehicle in history for not only reconnecting but helping you make peace with the deceased.
1: You know, I'd love to talk about that particular aspect because I I know that throughout time people have always wanted to have this connection to the deceased, those loved ones that have passed on, uh, and and whether it is to resolve issues or to say some last words or Mm -hmm. to just know that they still existed. But it does seem that in the last uh, five to ten years, there's been more and more of... This particular topic that has been written about, spoken about, and is it do you feel it's that consciousness is really allowing us to finally grasp how thin these veils are, or more individuals are facing grief and really wanting to deepen those connections and truly understand what's what's leading this this charge in your opinion to really share this information and allow energy, such as Jean-Pen, to, to so viscerally experience and express to us their
2: presence? Well, I think it's a kind of a combination. I see people more and more are are evolving. I see that. But I see a, a tremendous dichotomy, a dualism, that sort of parallels what goes on in our economy now. You know, we've got the very rich and then the rest of the world. You know, we've kind of lost the middle class. So there are great extremes. I see a whole segment of the world that is far less evolved, more abusive, less considerate, you know, less relational. I see that whole trend is getting stronger. And then I see there's also a push of enlightened people who are trying to really bring love to this plane and reconnect in all kinds of ways. The thing is, in part three of Love Never Dies, I show people how they can do their own reconnection. And the CEO of Hay House said to me, Jamie, we have never seen anything like what you're doing in this part of Love Never Dies. So I know there are a lot of books out there, but what I'm specifically doing here is I'm showing the layperson how, to tune to what I call the spirit channel of the brain, we all have it. We're all born with it. I just show you how to do it step by step in part three of Love Never Dies, and then I show you how to have your own dialogue. But I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I'm talking about the last part of the book.
1: You know, well, and 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 I, you know, I love to weave through and go back and forth because it really helps people mm-hmm. to understand the full breadth of what they're going to get from the book. But the, the underlying thread here does stem from an emotional experience of grief. And I also want people to understand that although we are talking about reconnecting to past uh, loved ones that have passed um, because we're wanting to maintain that connection, this emotion of grief or these experiences like you're talking about in the economy or things that people are experiencing on a day-to-day basis that are having them tap into fears and griefs and frustrations this book also lets people know that they can pull connection from beyond the veil as support, as love, as that's a right. way to to feel that they're not alone. And that's the, right. Because when we're about so, grief that really so pulls true. us into that place.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I do a show on Hay House Radio called Love Never Dies and I've been doing it for the last year and a half and people call me from all over the world. Terribly bereft. Doesn't matter whether their loved ones left their bodies a year ago, three months ago, 30 years ago. It is not natural for us to disconnect from those we love. And if we do stay disconnected, we are in a state of protracted sadness, grief, and depression. And I can't tell you how many people I have helped reconnect live on the air. We do my dialoguing with the departed on air and I watch Decades worth of grief just vaporize and transform to joy. So, the greatest antidote to grieving is to reconnect.
1: Mm. So, what happened when this, this situation took place and Jean pen passed? I mean, you are sent into a spiraling place of right. sadness and depression. I mean, that is just a natural course.
0: And right. according dread- to traditional
1: dreadful. psychology, we're supposed to kind of get over it in six months as well. Um, so Which talk about so, how you moved through that. Okay, so so the first
2: thing I realized was that John never left me. So I pick up in Part 1 of Love Never Dies with what happened from the night that I felt his hand stroke my spine. So can I just describe a little bit about this?
1: Yes, please do.
2: Okay, so Part 1, I talk about my own growing discovery that he was right here. And one of the first things that happened to me was... I came home from Italy, and of course I spend the whole first night alone in bed for the first time in almost 30 years, and I hear y'all quoting something to me. I know he's quoting something. I don't recognize it. I'll get back to that in a minute. The next morning I come down to the kitchen, and I hear y'all say to me, Jamie, open the back door. I want to show you something. I open the door, and Simran, I see a little chipmunk sitting on the step. And the chipmunk is obviously in a trance. His eyes are almost closed. And I could feel that Jean wants to speak to me through this little chipmunk. The next thing I know, this animal begins to mimic Jean's bodily departure. He's ripping at his face with his little hands, just the way Jean was ripping at the oxygen mask because the air wasn't getting into his lungs. And for 20 minutes, I'm watching the animal recreate Jean's bodily departure, and I'm weeping and weeping. And after 20 minutes... I see that little animal visibly cough up a wonk of mucus, and he's in peace. And I knew then Jean was speaking to me through this little animal, which I've since dubbed animals open vessels, because animals, domestic and wild, are natural open vessels through which spirit speaks to us all the time. Now, the next thing that happened was I had to fax his death certificate to Verizon, to take his name off the account. I had sent many multi-page faxes throughout the day, no problem. But when I went to fax his death certificate, the cover letter faxed without a hitch. But the next thing I knew, the death certificate would not fax. I tried with the O-bit. Again, cover letter faxes without a hitch. The O-bit hangs up. I tried 20 times, same thing. I finally give up. The next day, I go to the lawyer's office. I don't say why. I just hand the papers to the secretary, and I say, would you just fax this to Verizon for me? I'm waiting. and waiting. After about 20 minutes, all the secretaries come from out back, and they're all weeping. They said, Jamie, we tried 20 times to fax both the death certificate and the obit, and the cover letter went without a hitch, but the death certificate and the obit would not fax. He is trying to tell you he's not gone. (laughs) Okay, so now I go back home, and again I have to fax the obit somewhere else, and he hangs it up again after the cover letter goes. So I say to him, listen, Jean, I think that you're hanging this up because I keep forgetting that you're still here with me. If I promise to try to remember, will you let this fax go through in its entirety? I cancel the fact. I feel a tidal wave of love pour into me, and I know it's Jean's answer to me. I reissue the facts; it goes through in its entirety. So around this time, (laughs) I'm starting to realize my life is shifting in a miraculous way because strangers are walking up to me, and they're saying to me, "Your husband says, tell our story," and then they walk on. Now one day around this time, I was driving. And I actually felt the need to pray to Jean. I was an atheist. I never prayed before. And I Mm. prayed to him on behalf of my friend Emily. He never met Emily. Emily never met him. They were strangers to each other. I said, please help my friend Emily find love. I again feel that tidal wave of love pouring into me. I look at the clock. It's 5.45. That night, no, it was 4.58, that night I get a phone call from Emily. She says to me, Jamie, at 4.58 I fell into a trance and your husband appeared to me. She said, he told me to find love, follow the gray stones to the church in your neighborhood. Well, I was so flabbergasted. He had her repeat the very words of my prayer to prove to me he heard my prayer. He's right here. And he was also blessing Emily by sending her to the church. A week later, Emily comes to the professional group that I am a member of, and she tells the story of Jean sending her to the church in her neighborhood. Another member of the group named Mitch Wood says, what's the name of the church that he sent you to? She says, oh,
1: the Claremont Church. Mitch says, oh my gosh. Dr. Love, George I'm going to leave here. you, I'm going to stop you right there because we have to go to commercial break and oh. leave them at that cliffhanger. And we are going to resume with that as soon as we get back. My guest today hey. is Dr. Love, also known as Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and she has written the book Love Never Dies. Western grief therapy advises that we grieve, let go, and move on in six months, knowing that this approach leads the bereaved at an even greater loss. Dr. Love has created a method that enables the bereaved to know how to reconnect rather than say goodbye. You can find out more at AskDrLove.com. We'll be right back with Dr. Love.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living. 1111 magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Geel Asalan as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: 1111 Magazine's brand new issue will be releasing on the 11th of the month. I'm very excited to share with you so much beautiful information from individuals around the world sharing their gifts. So definitely connect at 1111mag.com to find out more about that and to access the brand new issue of 1111 Magazine. My guest today is Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and she's authored several books on resolving relationship conflicts with partners, friends, family members, and children. Her last two books, Kiss Your Fights Goodbye, Dr. Love's Ten Simple Steps to Cooling Conflict and Rekindling Your Relationship, and her best-selling, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased, introduces her trans-dimensional grief therapy method and dialoguing with the Descartes technique. You can find out more about her at AskDrLove.com. The book that we are, are speaking about today is... Divided into three sections, and we are moving through each of those sections through the show. The question is, why is surrendering the illusion of control so important to our spiritual development? Well, when we're smacked by the tsunamis of life, we're being asked to bow to forces greater than ourselves. Physical and emotional suffering, including grief, serve to break down our defenses. Our souls must be open in order to hear God and spirit. When sorrowful things happen... We can either become bitter and petulant or view these trials as the gifts that bring us closer to God and the spirit realm. It is said that the heart must be broken again and again in order to finally be opened. Only when our heart is open can we hear God and spirit calling, calling us to perfect our ability to love others better. This is from Dr. Love's book. Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased. And I'm going to welcome you back. We were at a cliffhanger where we were at a church, and we had gotten the name of the church. And what was the amazing, synchronistic piece
2: oh, that John Pan wanted so, you
1: to know about that church yeah, was so and funny. what he was so, trying to get across?
2: Right. So he sent her to the Claremont Church and the Claremont Church is New York City's only liberation theology seminary. Remember, he founded liberation theology movement? So he was putting yeah. his stamp on that miracle, sending her to the Claremont Church. So I'm just going to, I guess I'll tell you one more example of, that just gives a sense of how Jean has made his presence known to me and to the world. And then maybe we can move on to talk about how everybody else can reconnect. How's that?
1: Sure, absolutely.
2: All right, so here I was. You mentioned before that I was really, you know, bereft as as we are when someone we love leaves his body. Notice I say leaves his body or her body because we don't die, we just leave our bodies. But anyway, so one day I was crying in the closet. And I kept thinking, I've got to call my friend Anne. No, don't bother her. It's the middle of her work day. After about 20 minutes of this mental hemming and hawing, the phone rings in the distance. I drag myself up out of the closet. I go get the phone and it's Anne. And she says to me, Jamie, did you call me? And I said, no, Anne, but I was thinking I needed to call you. And she said, but Jamie, my phone rang and your name and number appeared on my caller ID. So I realized, along with him, that Jean manipulated the technology to ring her phone so she'd know to call me and put my name and number on the ID so she'd know it was me she had to call. Now, a year later, I had a bad cough, and I thought, I'm going to suffocate to death the way Jean did. So... I said to him, please do that caller ID phone trick. Let me know you're here with me. Do it with my housekeeper, Donna. Do it right now. Two seconds later, the phone rings. It's Donna. She says, Jamie, did you call? I said, no, Donna, I asked you to do the caller ID phone trick. And she said, well, my phone rang, and your name and number appeared on the caller ID. <laughs> so around this time, I was in a writer's group, and Gabe was the head of the writer's group, Gabe Davis, and I was telling him all the stories of Jean's manifestations and about the caller ID tricks And he said, you know, I sure would like to see that phone trick repeated, and this time I'd like to see whether your name and number Appears, uh, whether your call log, your phone call log shows a record of dialing out even when you didn't initiate the call. So I forget about the challenge. A month later, I'm driving behind Gabe and his wife Robin to meet them for dinner when all of a sudden at 545, I feel this tidal wave of love. Again, and I know it's Sean. I look at the clock, I see it's 545. I get to the restaurant. Gabe stampedes me. He says, Jamie, Jamie, you won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, at 548, my cell phone rang. He said, I looked at the caller ID. Your name and number was on the display. I picked up the call, and he said, a man's voice said, is Jamie there? Is Jamie there? He said the voice had an accent and prolonged the word there, which Jean did with his accent. It sounded like there. He said it wasn't a real call. The voice just faded away. call never clicked off. He said, go get your phone. See if it shows a record of having dialed me. So I dig into my purse, hadn't used the phone the whole day. Sure enough, 545, it had called Gabe. So... The purpose of all these over-the-top manifestations that I share in part one of Love Never Dies is because Jean asked me to tell our story because these manifestations are for you and for everybody listening because as Jean told me after he left his body, Jamie, let our love shine like a torch that lights the path for others. So our story is meant to let you know that your loved ones are here with you too. They're just waiting for you to open the door of your heart to them. So that's where Love Never Dies moves into, how you can overcome the false beliefs and religious teachings that prevent you and so many people from reconnecting and then part three, how we can actually make our own dialogue and reconnect and heal if needed. So,
1: Well, and I'd love for people to go back and listen to you retell uh, the Gabe story on the archive. Because when you're telling that story, there is a click that happens. Um, and it is, it's a very clear click. It's, it's kind of a a disconnect of the service and back. And that, you know, in my own writing of conversation with the universe, which was my first book, I talk to people a lot about how we get these conversations with the universe all the time, that they are ever present and it is our openness to them. And so often the block that I think people have in connecting to spirit or connecting to their loved ones is they say they want that connection. Right. If That connection showed up to them in the ways that it's shown up to you. For many people, that would strike fear. So, how did you not go into fear around it, especially with the background of belief systems that you were reared? You know with? what? And fear how it was never, to
2: not never deal a reaction for me. Fear was never a reaction. So in a way, the fear is almost a theoretical thing. And the fear is tied to the false beliefs and the inaccurate religious teachings that strike fear in the hearts of people. When we actually do reconnect, we are filled with so much love that our hearts know what love is. We know the love is true and love is the antithesis of fear. So fear is more of an intellectual thing we're taught. So Part two of Love Never Dies, I help people overcome the false beliefs and the false religious teachings that make us afraid. So can I talk a little bit about that?
1: Let's go into it, particularly around um, how these belief systems that we hold can tend to be the very veils and limitations that keep us from what our heart knows is true. Absolutely. These fears are straightjacketing our
2: hearts. Okay, so I want to first say, remember I said in the first segment that uh, Jean quoted something to me on my first night back from Italy. I didn't know what it was. Yes. Okay, this really this really under, just cuts fear off at the knees because here's what it is. And remember, Jean was a religious pioneer in life, and he continues to be in the afterlife. The next day after I heard him quoting something, I went to his priest, and I said, Jean's been talking to me. The priest breathed his brow in skepticism like, yo, this babe has lost her marbles. But then when I told him what Jean said to me, the, the priest blanched, he crossed himself, and he said, Dear God, Jamie, at first I didn't believe that Jean was talking to you, but I do now. And he told me then you're quoting an obscure biblical passage from the communion of saints. Like I would have known, I never read the Bible, never went to church, and Jean and I did not discuss religion, at least not when he lived in a body. Now, it took me a year to understand why Jean chose to quote that and only that passage to me. Again, he was a religious pioneer in life, continues to be in the afterlife. And I found out that the communion of saints says that our loved ones in spirit are one with, or in communion with, God and the saints. And since the Bible is telling us we're supposed to stay in communion and communication with God and the saints, it means that the Bible is telling us we are supposed to stay in communion and communication with our loved ones in spirit, because they are one with God and the saints. So what John's telling us is what we've been told about the afterlife is dead wrong, if you'll pardon my pun. We're not meant to live in an emotional wasteland, separated from those we love, waiting until we die and, quote-unquote, enter heaven. Because, as Jean said to me, heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven's all around us. Heaven is here and now. So this means we are supposed to reconnect with our loved ones in spirit now.
1: Mm, mm. And, And when we're looking at these belief systems, particularly when it's around religion that's telling us that something doesn't exist, Right. There's also that corollary that God is never going to give us more than we can handle. So if we are not connecting to whether it's the synchronicities or the signs and the symbols or whether it is, you know, our departed loved ones, more than likely our mind cannot handle it at that moment. And until we're open enough and willing enough to release right. the fear of the mind, right. Then right. Right. we then can be truly open to the beauty of right. the heart and that connection, that interconnection between the right.
2: Right. So that's what love, you know, Love Never Dies Part 2 is all about this. And in fact, I'm doing Love Never Dies live in virtual retreats where I'm actually bringing Part 2 and Part 3 of the book to life, helping people practice how to reconnect. And we'll get to that in a second. But I also help people get rid of all the false beliefs that lead to fear like, you know, oh, uh, you're going to open the door to the devil. This is a big one. And it's such a misconception. Because I don't even think there is such a thing as a devil. There may be less evolved beings, but devils, dark forces, doesn't even exist. It's more a, an outward projection of our own dark forces, our own angry impulses. And anyway, our loved ones in spirit are our gatekeepers.
1: They're here to protect so us you, and watch over us. Can you share us. maybe a couple of ways, a couple of simple ways that we can recognize the signs of spirits presence? I know that in the book you give quite oh, a few yes. different ways, but perhaps Absolutely. a couple of okay, so so let's that people go can into get a this.
2: sense. Let's go into this. So in part three, I help you form your own reconnection. And one of the first ways, well, first of all, before we're going to recognize the signs, we need to be receptive, as you said, because we're all born with the ability to dialogue. This is nothing more than energy, energy transmission, sending and receiving energetic signals. We're all, we all have a spirit channel in our brain, and I just show you how to tune to the spirit channel. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to be more receptive. That's the first order of business. You're not going to recognize the signs if you're not more receptive. So we get rid of all the false teachings. That's part two of Love Never Dies. Now we create receptivity, pockets of peace, learning to sit in silence, finding the right peaceful practices. I give you a breath exercise so you're more open to spirit through the breath learning how to surrender to your emotional states. Then I give you exercises for opening all your five senses because the more open you are, the more you're going to be able to perceive the signs that are being sent to all your senses all the time. So now signs are infinite, right? They, spirit beings freed from the vessel of the human body can influence the material world in infinite ways they can give you funny sounds they can um, give you uh, animals behaving oddly like the chipmunk story they can give you odd physical sensations a sensation of a draft a chill up the spine temperature changes goose flesh they'll also give you symbolic communications like butterflies and they'll also manifest coins that were minted on a year that was significant well, here's a good example of this. I uh, had a patient in my office and I said, this is the anniversary week of Jean's bodily departure and he always dropped signs on me of coins that were minted in the year he left his body. She blinks. She says, oh, Jamie, I almost forgot. Look at my cowboy boot. She says, I had my boots off in my bedroom when I saw a coin falling out of thin air and landing in the boot and I got the message it was for you and I forgot and never took it out. Let me give it to you now. <laughs> so she hands me the coin. I hear Jean say, you'll see, it was minted the year I left my body. Sure enough, it was.
1: <laughs>
0: mm. Right?
2: That's mm. <laughs> fun. So now, how much do we have, are we going to be going to a break very, very soon? I'm.
1: We are, we have actually, a... we have about a minute. So go ahead and, and briefly talk about um, another way that, that it shows up for us. Oh, okay. So, um...
2: One of the ways, and since you seem to like, like cliff, life, like cliffhanger, say that three times fast, one of the ways is through what I call scents, the scent of sanctity. Okay? Now, when I went to the chiropractor, it was also the anniversary week this year, and I said to the secretary, Teresa, this is the anniversary week, Love Never Dies is being published, I'm doing my first talk. With that, I smell The most gorgeous scent of gardenias. I do not say a word, and Teresa looks at me, and she says, Jamie, do you smell gardenias? I said, oh, Teresa, that is fantastic. That's called the scent of sanctity, and Jean is dropping a sign on you and me to let us know that he's present. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And you go through the book, and you speak about waves of love and so many other Methods yes and Stuart for most people, to this is so with reassuring us. for people to know. Many
2: people say to me, oh, I'm not getting any signs. And every time I lay out the signs, the list of signs in this whole chapter, people write to me from all over the world or they call me on house radio and they say, Jamie, I didn't think I was getting signs, but now I realize when now that you made me aware of all the signs, I'm getting them all the time. So awareness is, of the signs is sufficient to begin the process of reconnecting.
1: Beautiful. Those who grieve, as well as the sick, the dying, the disabled, and those who emotionally suffer, are God's chosen ones. They are sacrificial lambs sent by God to instill a sense of gratitude in other people. Those who suffer are chosen to spark others to fulfill their universal mission on earth, which is to be more godlike, kinder, more loving, more empathic, and more giving. In other words, to grow as spiritual beings. When a sufferer receives your kindness, he or she is also receiving God's blessing. In this way, both the giver and the receiver are blessed. This is from the book, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased. This is by Dr. Jamie Turndorf, also known as Dr. Uh, Dr. Love, and you can find out more about her at AskDrLove.com. That's AskDrLove.com. She has Love Never Dies radio show, which can be heard each Tuesday on Hay House Radio and it is also currently broadcast out of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network and in 80 other countries worldwide. We will be right back with Dr. Jamie Turndorf, also known as Dr. Love.
0: The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444, 1111 magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living. 1111 magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the 7th wave channel on the Voice America network. 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The perfect way to begin
1: 2016 and any time in your life is to allow yourself to tap into the signs, symbols, and synchronicities to understand that your journey to enlightenment is child's play and that your journey to love is as deeply as you'll allow your heart to open. I invite you to access my own mentoring programs and work, including my books, Conversations with the Universe, Your Journey to Enlightenment, and Your Journey to Love at my website, IamSimmering.com. We had a beautiful segment with Dr. Love, and uh, during that time, there was a special little click that took place while she was revealing a story around Gabe. And you can go back and listen to that little click in the archive. And as you do so, uh, at that time, when I heard the click, I knew that we had the presence of jean pierre with us, and I asked him to allow some sort of disconnection of, of I actually said my phone, um, to take place so that I would have further confirmation of his presence but to do it not during the time the show was airing and um, interestingly enough it did occur as Dr. Love was disconnected from the show right after the segment and had to call back in so there is your little (laughs) bit of proof as to what is taking place and how we have all the veils um, opened up and and all the energies fully present. Great pain wonderful? enables us to empathize with others who suffer. Undergoing our own trials trains us to be more godlike and loving and to understand, empathize, and to connect others with others in their pain. Jamie was too consumed with grief and she couldn't hear Jean speaking to her initially. She felt as though she were shut down and cut off from him and therefore was unreceptive to his words. At that time, she learned how to walk the tightrope that she was unaware of, and she allowed herself to extend to the grief but not drown in it, and that's what I want to really focus on as well as the reconnection aspect in this segment. Uh, Dr. Love, let's talk a little bit about that because there are so many ways that we block our dialogue from spirit, and you talk about many of those ways within the book. Go into a couple of those so that people understand that it is our it is our, our, our mental state, our behavior uh, some of, of where we actually shut ourselves off or the methods okay, in which so, we shut ourselves off.
2: Yeah, so what happens is grief is very similar to atmospheric storms. You know how atmospheric storms block the sending and receiving of radio and television signals? Yes. So it's the same thing with our own atmospheric emotional atmospheric storms. It's like we're, let's say we're in a dark tunnel And we're getting a cell phone call, but we don't even know that we're getting it because we're in the tunnel. Then we come out of the tunnel and, oh, there's a message. Same thing with grief. When we're in the dark tunnel of grief, we don't even realize that we are receiving signals all the time and signs from our loved ones in spirit. We're too in the tunnel. So I show you in part two of Love Never Dies how to titrate your emotions so that you're aware of them but you don't allow them to wash you overboard. This is so important because if you're too upset, you block not only the receiving of signals but also the sending of signs and signals. And also I believe that when we are more we are calmer, it is easier for those in spirit to come through to us. So that's why in part 2 I give you all those exercises for opening up your 5 senses so that you are more receptive you're calm and you allow them to come through in a better and an easier way so that's really important now i want i want everybody to understand something cuz this is the the unique part of love never dies because we often think about Signs, receiving signs, which are a static form of communication, where spirit drops a sign in us, drops a coin in us. But what I show you how to do in part three of Love Never Dies is how to bring the signs to life, and how to engage in a back and forth communication between you and spirit. Now. So spirits dialogue with us in so many ways, in addition to dropping signs, in addition to dreams and mind melding, They can engage in back-and-forth discussions with us with the help of open vessels, which are animals domestic and wild, and humans who are naturally open, and also with the help of what I call earthly props, which are generally electronic devices, which we just saw the way Jean answered you. He dialogued with you. You asked him for a sign by cutting the phone dead without interrupting the show, and he did it. He dialogued back. He answered you. So let me give you an example, if I may for everybody listening, of the difference between the static signs versus a back-and-forth communication with the help of earthly props and signs.
1: May I do that? Oh, absolutely, and that's what I think about when I talk about conversations with the universe because a conversation has to involve two. Otherwise, it really is just that static sign.
2: Exactly. So before we took a break, I gave the example of how I went to the chiropractor and Jean dropped a static sign on us. We both smelled gardenias, okay? Now, I came home from the chiropractor, and I saw a patient of mine later that day named Regina. She desperately needed to reconnect with her sister in spirit, so I told her the story about the scent of gardenias. But at that moment, I heard Jean speaking to me, and he said to me, Jamie, I wish I could give you a bouquet of roses. Now, Jean was dialoguing with me by inducing the thought in my mind. At this moment, Regina abruptly sat up, and she said, Jamie, do you smell roses? Now, In that really elegant manifestation, he put the scent of roses in her apparatus in order to facilitate a back-and-forth dialogue between him and me. So he was letting me know I heard him correctly when he said, I want to give you roses, and he bolstered her confidence in her ability to hear spirit so that she could start to reconnect with her sister. Now, I want to give another example of this, which shows human open vessels and earthly props, and how Jean dialogued with me through a guy named JC. So I did the coast-to-coast radio show. Love Never Dies became an overnight bestseller, and the next day I get an email from this guy who heard me. We get on the phone, and he says to me, your husband is burning up my brain with messages for you, and he's speaking to me in French and Italian. And the guy quotes some things, and I know it's Jean, things Jean used to say to me in French and Italian. And he says to me, but Jamie, I'm a hillbilly. I don't know no Italian. (laughs) So I said, dude, I believe you. (laughs) Your accent's bad. So now the next day he calls me. It's Valentine's Day. He says, I hope you're sitting down. I said, why? He said, I was sitting at my desk, hands in my lap, not touching my computer, when I heard Jean say... And Jamie the photo of the peach-colored rose. Nobody in the world knows Jean gave me not only roses each week, but they were peach-colored. The guy says, with my hands in my lap, Jean opened up a photo on my desktop, and it was a peach-colored rose. And he said mm. the title name of the, ro- of the photo was Peaches and Cream. Well, the night before, the guy had said to me, Jean says, your time is now. And I told the guy the night before, Jean always used to say, the cream rises to the top peaches and cream. So here's the point of this kind of thing. This We can dialogue back and forth with the help of open vessels, with the help of earthly props, and uh, we can do this for what any need we require. If we need to just say goodbye to the physical body because someone was ripped to, from us due to a sudden accidental death or illness... If we are elderly and we don't wish to form another primary attachment, if we're a parent who lost a child, a child who lost a parent, we need to reconnect and stay connected. But then what if we're one of the millions of people worldwide who have unfinished business with someone in spirit. Well, now Love Never Dies shows you how to dialogue back and forth in a direct dialogue to heal that unfinished business. So first we do my visualization, then we do my meditation for making contact, and then we dialogue back and forth in writing or using a tape recorder. But here's the most important thing I want everybody to know. If you have unfinished business with someone in spirit, often you have to wait until that being leaves his body in order to work it out. Because in spirit form, they're more evolved, they see how they screwed up with us, and they are much more able to work it out with us. So um, I had an example of this in the book where Jean sent me to the bird lady. She tried to help us save our bird unsuccessfully, and now on Good Friday, he sends me to her place. And the next thing I know, I'm led to help her heal her bird. That is, I walk in, her bird is not moving, and she says, this bird is going to be dead by nightfall. I ask, can I help? She says, sure, if you want. I tell the bird, I speak out loud, but I'm energetically communicating with the bird saying, go eat. I'll take care of whatever it is that's happening here that's making you sick. I become aware of a spirit presence that's literally impeding the bird. He's not moving and eating. I tell him to go eat. He eats. And now I'm aware that the spirit presence that's surrounding the bird that was making him sick was the spirit of the bird lady's dad. And he comes through and he says, I know you're still scared of me because I sexually molested you and I am begging you. To confront me now, you're still stuck in childhood, you're a wounded child, and I can't evolve spiritually, I can't grow, and you can't heal unless you confront me. And so we dialogued back and forth, and she worked it out with her father, and felt completely different when I left, and the bird survived. So now, there's just one more thing I want everybody to know, and this is the neatest part of all of reconnecting and dialoguing with your loved ones in spirit. We all know we were put on earth for only one purpose, to perfect our ability to love ourselves and others. This life is what I call our love lab. But now it's very hard to love others when we don't love ourselves. And I am living proof of the challenge. How do you love yourself when you were raised by abusive parents? Even though Jean was with me for almost 30 years and loving me, deep inside I didn't love myself well enough. There were voices in my head of my parents putting me down constantly tearing down my self-esteem, no matter how successful I was. After Jean left his body, I went to my professional group, and I was crying. And I said, I've got to make their mean voices stop tearing me down. They're ruining my peace of mind. Everybody said, well, just shout at them. Tell them to shut the F up. None of that ever worked. Didn't work for me. Never worked for my patients. I come home. I get on my knees, and I pray to Jean, please help me. Please help me, Jean. Suddenly, he appears to me as the embodiment of love. He is surrounded in golden light. He takes my face in his hands. He turns me toward him in the light, and he says to me, Jamie, listen, listen, listen to me. Let my love for you fully enter you. And in that moment, all of his love for me suddenly penetrated my being, entering every fiber of me, and I realized Jean had to be out of his body freed from the vessel of his physical body in order for me to be healed in this way. I had to wait for him to leave his body. And then I realized reconnecting to our loved ones in spirit is our fast track to self-love. So when we reconnect with them, we let them heal every corner of our souls. We become an overflowing well of love. And that love now is what we can bring to the world. That is love never dies.
1: This was Jamie. Dr. Jamie Turndorff, also known as Dr. Love, and the book Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased. You can find out more about her at drlove.com. God never gives you more than you can handle. This is designed to help people weather through tough times, but I think we need to revise this statement. We aren't supposed to white-knuckle our way through life. When we have a hard time, we're supposed to open our hearts, our eyes, our ears, and decipher what the hard time is teaching us. We're given exactly what we need in order to complete our spiritual development. When life is painful, think of it as spiritual growing pains. Release the shame, guilt, victimhood, grief, judgment, and binding beliefs, and open up to the vast ocean that love offers. I will join you next week with another exciting guest. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well.